All right, you guys are getting me in, uh, you know, no makeup and hair bun on a Saturday. <laughs> but I wanted to welcome you to the 100th episode of the Abundant Beans podcast. Um, I can't believe we're here <laughs> and I'm crying a little bit. I just um, scrolled through all of these podcasts and I just, it just gave me the warmest fuzzies. Um, we work our butts off every week. It takes a lot of time, effort, and manpower to make this thing happen. And we are just so happy that you find value in it and that you keep coming back week after week to just meet those great people and get that great advice. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I also want to give a shout out to my team, Steven uh, Andrews at spotted dog media is that what we're doing now steven spotted dog digital not sure we'll drop that in the uh, description box and my va emily who guys she manages all the guests she does all the posts she helps me stay sane when this thing kind of exploded on us and i just want to say thank you for being here i want you to Thank Emily and Steven. If you have the ability to, you can hit us up on Facebook, wherever you want to hit us up. LinkedIn's always a good place also. Um, but just thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with us. And we just hope that you're finding some value in this podcast. Um, without further ado, we're going to, uh, we're going to do some uh, highlight reels for you guys uh, for this 100th episode. Uh, we'll do some quick intros and then we'll roll the clips. Um, and we hope that you find some actionable, actionable advice in these, um, in these highlights because that's what we're here for. We're here to help those bus your business move forward and to give you something to work on. So here we go. One of our favorite topics on the podcast is, is culture, is business culture. What are you building? Who are you bringing along? Um, and how are you helping your people grow also? Uh, Josh Baseman has been one of our favorite guests. He's been on twice now, I think. Um, I talked to him so much, I'm not quite sure. Um, and in this in, in the, the episode, he talks about what a positive, positive environment looks like and what it doesn't look like. And I think that's really super helpful because it helps us frame how we can make some changes in our culture and in our business environment. Um, for everybody's benefit. Hope you enjoy it. So a positive environment for me, that's a great question. Positive environment for me is an environment in which people can feel like they are doing fulfilling work. Uh, you know, fulfilling work means a lot of things. So I think it's helpful to start to clarify what isn't a positive environment. Mm -hmm. A positive environment is not kumbaya right? A positive environment is not everybody's opinion, you know, counts all the time. Uh, a positive environment is not hand-holding or back-patting. Uh, you know, it's not about, um, you know, this sort of toxic or false positivity uh, that you see a lot of um, kind of throughout the world, I think. It's not about entitlement. A positive environment is about helping people fulfill their potential and helping them really feel fulfilled by their work through a sense of meaningfulness. And sometimes that's really hard work. You know, sometimes meaningful work is really difficult. It can be really stressful, it can be really challenging. And that's no different in veterinary medicine. Some of the things that we encounter in vet med are really, really hard. Uh, emotionally difficult, sometimes morally difficult, certainly uh, physically and psychologically difficult. But creating an environment that's focused on what's best in people, 
focused on uh, building up and leveraging those best components, focused on really helping people fulfill their potential, whether it be within that particular environment or elsewhere, mm -hmm. uh, is what I think is a, is a positive workplace. In this clip, uh, we have our Kyle Matthews, who we love, we all love, um, talking about resilient relationships and how, how what the benefit of having a resilient relationship is with your customers. It gives you the ability for second chances, gives you the ability to own mistakes, and it gives you the ability to make things better. And it make, gives you the ability to have repeatable revenue and clients that love you know, like, and trust you. Um, and I love where, where we talk about how everybody makes mistakes. We're all human. Stuff's going to go sideways. It just is. And what are our relationships with our clients and how can we build those relation, those resilient relationships? Hope you enjoy it. Having a relationship mm -hmm. with a customer that is resilient enough to allow for a second chance. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because at the end of the day, we're all gonna mess people. up. Mm -hmm. Our people, right? we mess up. We're human. It's really cool. Um, but to have a relationship to the point where you get that phone call mm -hmm. and hey, like here's what happened, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, I think I said on the last, uh, the podcast the last time I was here, uh, was that extreme ownership mentality mm -hmm. of shoot. Mm -hmm. So sorry. Mm -hmm you know, how would you like to, to remedy this situation? Mm -hmm. You know, here's what I propose, here's what we can do. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that is a, a piece of business that's overlooked. And I think that unfortunately, it's a differentiating factor. Yes, because people much. come say, we're the best, this is what we do. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, uh, yes, but, you know, I think what really defines uh, an organization mm -hmm. is, um, what they do when things don't go quite so well. All right, Stephen Crawford, here we go. Guys, if you've not listened to his episodes, they're all so good. I already use, I use all his tips, all his tricks, all his productivity stuff. Does it always work with my ADHD? No, but it's all still good stuff. Um, I actually picked this clip because Stephen talks about authenticity in this clip. And it's one of the things that is, we know we talk about this a lot, but it's one of the things that are so important. You can't be real with people and you can't be your real self. How can you build a business that works? Um, so in this clip, Stephen talks about some authenticity and why that's so important. Hope you enjoy it. Bouncing back over to Mr. Crawford. What advice do you have for young leaders in both corporations and small businesses? Leadership is a, is a big thing, right? And a lot of people have different interpretations of what that yeah. is, what the definition is, what a good leader looks like and all that. As far as young people new to business, like coming out of college or the military or you know right out of high school into the professional space or business, new business leaders, one of the main things that is constant in people that are successful leaders is authenticity, mm -hmm. um, being true to themselves. So I would say have a, have a strong sense of what your values are and stay true to those in your business. And if you do that and you surround yourself with people that have similar values, um, you're going to find success mm -hmm. one way or the other. All right. Um, so episode 97, I know guys, a hundred episodes. I'm losing my mind here. How did this happen? 
Oh, I know how it happened. <laughs> we probably have about 20 more in the can too. So more coming, I promise. Uh, Peter Montoya, this was a great interview. I really enjoyed this interview. I feel like it happened months ago. Maybe it just went up a couple weeks ago, but it happened months ago. Um, Peter talks, I asked Peter about how to be a great leader uh, and what was super important. And his answer was about reading two books a month, just two, and why that is so important. Um, and that is actionable advice that you can implement today. Go download something you've been wanting to listen to or that somebody's recommended. I have a whole list myself. Uh, what is the one thing each business person, uh, each business owner person should do right now today to lean, to hone their leadership skills? Mm. Uh, adopt the strategy of reading two books a month. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Just read two books. books a month. So I you know, my preference, I, I like, um, uh, nonfiction books. So I read a lot of books about psychology, business, leadership, um, anthropology, uh, psychology. I, so I really like understanding how people operate. So that's mm -hmm. where I spend most of my time reading books. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I don't care what kind of book you read. If you want to read 24 fiction books in the course of the year, good. At the very, very least, you're increasing your vocabulary, you're learning new content, and you're learning empathy. Mm -hmm. It is really, really, really hard to be a reader and be a loser. It's really, 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 really hard. That's the quote so, from this one. It's really hard to be a reader <laughs> and, and a loser. loser. <laughs> I love that so much. So there are, you know, the, the, the opposite, the more positive version of those readers or leaders. I just think it's so, I don't know. I've heard it know. too many times. It's true though. Um, so the more, more or less what we are as human beings is we are pattern recognition machines. Mm -hmm. We recognize patterns. We recognize patterns and we can predict what will happen when the patterns are in place. So when you read more books, it's giving your brain a more a greater field of pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. So when you walk into a scenario, you can pretty much predict what the outcome will be and you will not be on the losing end of that outcome. Yeah. I mean, as many people as I talk to, as many masterminds as I've done or whatever, like all this leadership stuff we're talking about is stuff I've heard before, but some, some bits of it are probably going to stick better than others have before. Right. Yes. Um, so I love it. Um, and I read, well, I listen. <laughs> Same I'm a, difference. I'm, I'm a listener because it's just, it, I can work and listen, but thank you so much for your time today. Love being with you, Jamie. You're a great interviewer. It was a lot of fun. Love to come thank back. You. This next clip is uh, with Josh Allen Dykstra. Um, he is one of the four thought leaders on uh, culture. And um, I love what he says here about um, building resilient teams uh, and working in what gives you energy um, and not what takes your energy. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I always work with business owners and I do this with myself is why am I doing this thing that is so much draining me? Um, and how do I get, how do I do it for the last time? Um, and how do we move to the things that give me energy so that I'm not exhausted at the end of the day, <laughs> which, you know, we all, as business owners, we're all exhausted at the end of the day, usually, but we're working on our highest and best and the things that we're so good at and the things that, um, give us, you know, that, that, that just, you know, that just makes us light up. Um, it very much helps to, um, to work like that and to have our team work like that. I hope you like the clip. So what is the one piece of advice, um, you would give a business who wants to build a resilient team? Yeah, I, I think I think the, the advice is to remember that teams are made up of individuals. 
Um, Not and, robots. And yeah, and, yeah, individual human beings, exactly. And that each human being has a, their own unique fingerprints of what, what lights them up, what gives them energy, mm-hmm. and what makes them go dim, what mm-hmm. drains their energy. Every human being's recipe is different. And so as much as possible, each person, like encourage each person to be going on this learning journey mm-hmm. of starting to understand that we start, we call this building energy intelligence. And so go on this journey, all of you as, as individuals to learn more about what, what brings you energy at work and what, and what sucks it out. Mm-hmm. Each person as an individual ought to commit to that journey. Um, and then there's also a team aspect to this. So we, we, we call this me and we, right? There's a me and there's a we. Mm-hmm. Um, so the me part, right? Go on the individual journey and make it safe and okay for everyone to go on this individual journey. And the, 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 really the only way to do this is for the leader to, to go first. Right. Uh, the leader needs to make it, make it okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then as a team, we're gonna, uh, we would recommend what you do is also kind of what we talked about earlier is, is simple practices that happen regularly, consistently in your team meetings mm-hmm. to start to share the things that you're learning about what gives you energy and what doesn't. Maybe overdrive, like we talked about, right? These, mm-hmm. these things that I'm learning about me um, that help me be at my best at work. Mm-hmm. Those things are really helpful for you to know if we work together. Because again, these are core relationships we have in our lives. Mm-hmm. If we work together a lot. And so share them, right? It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to take a lot of time. But even you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, a week mm-hmm. uh, inside your meeting where you, where you have a sharing practice around what you're learning, about yourselves um, and about each other as colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, it's magic. Like this is this is stuff we've we've been practicing in our team, and it's it's incredible what it's done for our levels of psychological safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're entirely virtual, right? And so I think you know again to your question earlier, right? There's some unique challenges mm-hmm. there um, uh, because we don't run into each other in the hallways. So there almost has to be more communication. Um, but again, we're more alike than we are different. So more, more sharing uh, about what we're learning. Uh, and then, yeah, so me, we, learn on your own, share it with your team. It's magic. All right. This clip is uh, Jared Frost, uh, real estate, Denver real estate extraordinaire. Um, and we're talking about networking uh, and we're talking about how he's moved from his, out of, you know, doing real estate deals to really running his team um, and how that's changed uh, what he does in his business and how biz development is his uh, current focus um, and how he does that. He does a lot of one-on-one copies um, and, you know, really what, what makes that effective. Um, I hope you enjoy the clip and can get some advice out of here. Um, now that it's COVID though, I do these via zoom. Enjoy the clip. So your current focus has been on big biz dev. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you approach, um, making your business grow? That's a really good question. Yeah. Well, See, it would have been really nice to know that question before. Yeah. How, what, so, like, what's my approach? Or yeah, how? yeah. What is so? You've been spending a lot of time yes. out networking and you know working on business, biz dev and stuff. bringing more stuff in. Yes. Totally. So, what is your approach to that? So, what is your process? How do you do that? What is what works for you guys? Yeah. Any for you? So, I'll say the first thing that I realized is mm-hmm. you know, we kind of talk about some mm-hmm. of the, the self development we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Is I have an issue. I don't know when to stop, mm-hmm. right? So I've actually realized and kind of learning about myself over the last six months that, you know, now that I'm not doing deals, 
my days don't feel, I don't feel like I'm doing anything, mm -hmm. right? Because there aren't the battles, there aren't the, you know, the stress is different, right? Yeah. The fire drills are a lot less. So like you kind of, I've been so used to that that I'm not getting that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it almost feels like at the end of the day, even if I had five networking appointments, I didn't do anything. Cause like, yeah. there wasn't that yeah. like fire, Yeah, right? I'm working with a coach right now, uh, <laughs> Travis Baird, who's been on the podcast. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, and he has me writing down all my events so that I can check them off. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, when I look down at my calendar, whatever, I can actually see that I did do something. It might have not been all the tasks that I have to do, right. or I'm not working on projects or whatever, but he did do something that's right, awesome. with my time. And so that's really helped to kind of reframe that thing. <laughs> because I do, I spend a lot of time talking to podcast guests. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of right. time doing, doing this. Yeah. I spend a lot of time supporting my team as they support our clients. Um, and as I try to step out more, the more I f kind of feel afloat. Exactly. I was like, I keep going, do you guys need anything on What do you need from projects? me right now? Like, like what, Ed, is there anything I can, you know, where's this? Like, and I don't want to micromanage them. So I'm just like, it's where, problem stepping where's out. where's right? this at though? <laughs> and, and what's been interesting about that is it's almost made it that, so like, what's my approach? How do I approach it? I almost mm -hmm. don't know how to not do, like how not to do it. Mm -hmm. Because now that this is my sole focus, mm -hmm. right, to, um, if I don't feel kind of like mentally drained at the end of the day, mm -hmm. I just keep going, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I would say last year I had my assistant counted up. Um, we did handicap it a little bit, but we counted, I had 512 networking appointments last year. And those are all one-on-one -on -one coffees? All one-on-one -on -one coffee, beer, happy hour, or network event or something like that. But I averaged over two events per business day last year. So your approach is one-on-ones? 100% and calls, right? And calls. So like I am super militant about my schedule. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we've changed it a lot in the last two months and it's mm -hmm. actually helped out a lot. Mm -hmm. So pretty much my afternoon is pretty much, is entirely free mm -hmm. three days a week. Mm -hmm. um, during the mornings, I'm militaristic about being on the, being on the phone, mm -hmm. sending out my emails, like getting through my tasks and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, I think part of it is that you know, what's my approach? Well, my approach is now I'm doing what I actually want to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of excited to get out there and fun. meet people and figure mm -hmm. out what's, you know, what to do next, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's kind of been my approach, just do it until you can't do it anymore. I love it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess, uh, so you've really embraced the go-giver mentality. <laughs> go-giver? Go-giver. Go-giver, what do you mean by that? that? No. Okay, so uh, that might be Stephen Covey, um, but that's that go-giver, like constantly just helping people where they're at. Well, thank you. Um, you like. I literally get like three emails a week from you, like making intros. I, well, because I guess every I need time, to stop. <laughs> no, no, that's amazing. Because every time you talk to somebody, you're like, who do I, you know, who's a good fit for this that's person? That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's that master networking thing, mm -hmm. you know, the master connecting. Yeah. That a lot of people have a hard time, like, doing. Yes. Is that um, is that something that you had to learn how to do? Yeah. Or is that something that's really natural for you? No, actually very, very much not. Mm -hmm. So it's really crazy. I'm a true introvert. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a real introvert. Mm -hmm. um, I, ISTJ, like perfectionist, you know, science, mm -hmm. like don't, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like that's me. And, and it's been very interesting to now find myself in an industry where and I get paid to be out mm -hmm. and on, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the opposite of really what I want to be. Like, to be honest, guys, like I'd rather just be home watching TV and yeah. having a cup of coffee yep. on my couch, right? Get it. Um, 100%. So, 100%. So, to be honest, yes. I'd say one of the best things I learned from Wall Street mm -hmm. is that, you know, 
when you at a very young age they are they impress upon you the importance of being responsible for PL. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the, the advantages and benefits that I got uh, was just okay, you're 26, time to go find PL. Like, wait, what? Like how how often, like as a young mid-20s, are you being told mm -hmm. like go network with people and mm -hmm. find revenue, right? Mm -hmm. So they actually kind of taught us some of the very basic stuff um, in terms of networking and uh, manners and how to do this since they organized about it just on, on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I started my business, um, one of my best friends is a financial advisor who was in a very similar position when he started his business. So he kind of gave me his system mm -hmm. um, and it was a LinkedIn based system and it was great. And we can spend, we can talk about that more if we want, but uh, it, it really was just, you know, kind of figuring out what your niche was and what was going on and just kind of doing it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think the one thing that most people don't do Right, they sit down for a networking appointment, mm -hmm. and you and I don't approach it this way, right? Mm -hmm. But like most others will, mm -hmm. we have a networking appointment. Okay, great. Like, how nice how do you. I get business from you, or like how much business are you going to send me, mm -hmm. or when am I going to get my first deal from you, mm -hmm. right? Networking is not a presumptive close. Mm -hmm. Networking is an open ended. Let's get to know each other. Let's mm -hmm. build a relationship, yeah, like and let's see what's happening. The only problem is most small business owners can't think three months out past you know, kind of where they are in life mm -hmm. right now, because you know, it's all make mm -hmm. payroll, make p &L, pay mm -hmm. my taxes. And so, um, you know, wh what I've really tried to do is separate my networking from my sales activity. Mm -hmm. So network is business development, mm -hmm. selling is selling, mm -hmm. and those are different, oh. right? So like you sell to your database, but mm -hmm. you network with your sphere, mm -hmm. right? And so like, yeah, you and I have had sales conversations. Mm -hmm. I've called you. Mm -hmm. And I've said, hey, Jamie, like, who do you know looking to buy or sell? Mm -hmm. said, oh, actually, I don't know anyone right now, but obviously you're top of mind. Like, mm -hmm. Okay, great, thanks. Boom, mm -hmm. that's a sales call, mm -hmm. right? But that's only after we have, we, a relationship. We have a relationship. And most people want the me, 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 now, 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 and mm -hmm. that's why you destroy networking. Um, it's interesting because I've had to, I don't know if I've, I've always been a helper, mm -hmm. but I, I do better when people are in front of me. Yes. But as I create more relationships and do that extroverted getting to know people mm -hmm. thing and through the podcast and all of my LinkedIn activity and all of that, yeah. you know, I'm constantly needing connections for other people. Totally. Um, and I think that's one of the big values we bring. Mm -hmm. One of the big values I bring is that my client base also gets me network. Because I'm out there networking. 100%. And most CPAs probably aren't doing that. Well, we just had a phone call with a, a referral from a past client moving to town. Um, wife needs a job. And I was like, okay, well, what are you looking for? Mm -hmm. Well, I want this. Okay, great. Let's call it. We'll talk in a week because I probably have four or eight people already in our database who could you could talk to. Mm -hmm. What, you do that? Uh, yeah. We connect people. Like, my value is not being able to transact real estate. Mm -hmm. My value is in my network of 5,000 people in town that I can call and get help from, right. right? So, you know, the question is like, where's your value and what are you doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that you know, most people never talk about, right, mm -hmm. is you sit down and have an appointment and you ask, you spend, first thing, the best thing you can always do is you always start the conversation, you always take control. Mm -hmm. You always take control of questions. Ask questions. You ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. you ask so many questions, just because, and you pay attention, it forces you to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, even before they're even able to ask you, like, oh my gosh, I've been talking for half an hour about myself. Like, I want to learn about you. Hey, before that's great. If I could meet or introduce you to one person over the next three months, like, mm -hmm. who would that be, mm -hmm. right? And if you just, or how can I help you? Or like, mm -hmm. what's one thing I could do over the next two weeks to like help you move your business forward? Or like, what is your biggest pain point right now? It could be anything. Anything. But yeah. if you just ask that question, there's a 90% chance they'll ask it back, mm -hmm. which is your goal anyway. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if they don't, you know that's someone you probably don't want to be doing business with anyway. Yeah. 
So I think just asking that question, like, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. And then you follow up, you make the referral, you yeah. make the connection, you make that touch, you write it down, yeah. and then you, it's a great excuse, right? Because then we were just talking about this before we started recording, yeah. right? Like, hey, did you get in touch with Jay? Did you get in touch with Don? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, we're yeah. talking. But it's just now whenever you talk to those people, like, my name will you pop up. You can check in, yeah. And check in. Like, it's just yeah. is the best way to give follow-up and to add value and to, like, create be, those relationships. And be front of mind. Be front of mind. That's all it is. Yeah, it's always amazing to me. Um, people seem to be taken aback sometimes when I'm like, what is your biggest pain point? And it could be literally anything. Anything. Like, anything. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, you need a babysitter tonight. Let me see what I can do. Right? You probably know him. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I don't, you know, if you don't tell me what it is, I can't help you. Um, and then people are always kind of just like, hmm. Or I'll ask them, right. what do you want? like long run, like long range. And a lot of time people will be like, I don't know. And then like the next day they'll be like, nobody ever asks me. Cause it's tunnel vision, right? Yeah. You, know, you have a label vision. as a CPA. Mm -hmm. I have a label as a real estate broker. Mm -hmm. Like we're labeled by our mm -hmm. job mm -hmm. function, right. not by our job value. Right. Right. And so, you know, I, I asked that question and people who were not entrepreneurs or don't see the world the way that we do mm -hmm. will say, well, I'm good, man. Like I don't, I'm, I told you, I just told you, I bought my house three months ago. I'm not selling it yet. I'm like, that's totally cool, bro. Um, you're a trust and estate attorney. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably want to know family lawyers or financial advisors or CPAs, right? Because they're sending a lot of business and hey, mm -hmm. it just so happens that I know a bunch of them. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I'm talking about. Not yeah. selling your house. Like, you'll call me when the time's right. Like, I don't need to ask you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's broken. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I feel like, well, especially like with the accounting field, I feel like we have a really bad PR job that's been done to us okay. um, because people just assume that they can come in and like all we do is tax returns. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to come sit across uh, across from you and all you're going to do is my tax return. And it's just right. like, hey, we don't work like that. Right. And B, that's not really what we do. Right. It's not a product. I mean, yes, there's a product. We do tax returns, but that's because we have to. <laughs> right? right. That's the last piece. <laughs> it's about the structuring and the preparation. It's about the strategy and the limitation and, you know, all that fun stuff. The organizational process, workflow all around that stuff, it. Right? Right. And then we do the tax returns right. to make sure you're in compliance with right. all those things we already set up for you. Right. Right? Yeah. People don't see that stuff. They don't. Right. They and also that. don't see me in the middle of the night like, oh, crap. What if we did this? with right. this client, right? So there's a lot of emotional and mental labor too because mm -hmm. I care about my clients. Maybe I care about them a little too much, <laughs> but I care about them. Well, I mean, caring too much, I mean, that's that's not a problem. I think the really cool thing is like when you're sitting, when you have that kind of relationship mm -hmm. with your clients and referral partners mm -hmm. and like you get those moments, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like I got to, I got to connect so-and-so mm -hmm. with blah because mm -hmm. oh, how did I not think about that? Right? <laughs> we just did that before we started rolling. Right. I was like, I haven't introduced you to that person. Right. I'm the worst. Right. But, now, but because we have that relationship mm -hmm. and we've, you know, you're, so, you, you believe in the transfer of social capital. Mm -hmm. I believe in the transfer of social capital. Uh, if you haven't met Matt Stewart, the guy over at Northwestern Mutual, another unbelievable guy who mm -hmm. believes in kind of the social capital networking mm -hmm. kind of thing in town. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's just something to be said for it and it's going to be sloppy and it's going to be not perfect awkward i owe people intros and oh i'm awkward because i'm an introvert and you just don't know these people <laughs> and it's like well i don't know if there's gonna be a relationship here and i don't 
Yeah. I don't Sometimes know if I even want to know you in Sometimes 30 minutes, let alone spend an hour that we have <laughs> on my calendar, right? So like, but hey, you just, you just got to do it. Yeah. And I found like, I'll be dreading it or I'll be looking at somebody's LinkedIn and I'll be like, who is this person? And then I end I get a, like get on the phone with them or mm-hmm. whatever. And I don't want to let them go because they're engaging and fun and awesome. And right. Right. And the best part is when you follow up with those people because you do mm-hmm. and you're systematic about it. Like, oh my God, Jared, uh, like a buddy of mine last week said this to me. He's like, dude, I want to emulate, emulate myself over your follow-up. It's like, you call me every two months and you send me an email every month and you make sure everything's okay. You mm-hmm. connect me with all this. Like, oh my God, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, that was a really cool compliment to get. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine if like, this is a guy who I have a great relationship with, we can be vulnerable with each other, we mm-hmm. can be open with each other. I'm assuming that if hopefully, if that's what he's feeling and verbalizing to me, mm-hmm. then there are a lot of other people who mm-hmm. we're touching, who are seeing our content, mm-hmm. who are seeing our activities that mm-hmm. are thinking the same thing mm-hmm. and just not saying it, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, that's my family in the background. <laughs> it's Saturday, guys. I'm just trying to get this done for Steven so we can get this episode up for you. Um, so this clip is uh, the Kimballs. You guys, such a great episode. They made me laugh the entire episode. So I apologize. And also you're welcome at the same time. Um, they do video production and they talk about the power of telling stories uh, in this clip. And... Um, I just love it because when we tell our stories, we're relatable. Enjoy. Hmm. I'd have to say one of my favorite things to do is what I did yesterday with a client. This is even before we got started on it. This is just a potential client right now who uh, owns a a yoga studio. She's trying to figure out how do I tell that story? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can tell the story of like, well, we offer these different kinds of yoga classes and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll inform you of those classes and here's where we're located and mm-hmm. and I'll be doing the teaching and I have other teachers and we have these times available. And come on in. So that's one way of doing it. More interesting way to do that is to tell the story in a way that is is a compelling emotional story about yoga and how it transforms somebody mm-hmm. so the effect of coming to the yoga class rather than the actual class itself so that's just a great joy for me to sit and brainstorm with the client because you could see on her face she was like i never thought of that it's like yeah i mean it would be like who's your client why do you want uh, she deals with elderly people and goes into these care homes and oh, and that's really cool and it's like i would love to see you know footage of her working with these people and how they feel better and how excited they are and maybe they can ballroom dance again which they wouldn't have been able to do because of the other or whatever that story is so mining the story is really a great joy for me and thinking about some of the well i i was just thinking about one of my favorite things and it's hard for me to pick a favorite mm-hmm. which Sounds like that's silly. Like, like, surely there's one or two favorites. I mean, some come to mind. There's some pretty cool opportunities we've had. We got to go to uh, NHRA Drag Race and interview Tony Schumacher yeah, cool. and and a number of other racers and just be in the pits when they were doing a turnover. Unbelievable experience. Uh, the the nitro fuel that they use totally burns your eyes. Like you can't believe when you're that close. I don't really know how I even was able to get focus on the camera. <laughs> But those, you know, some really fun times there. But when I when I think about it, every single project, we try to find one thing about that project that's exciting for us. Right. And 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 why 
what it is that gets us going on that project. So, because some of the projects are arguably not very exciting, um, but when we can unlock that piece of whatever it is, that passion that that helps, uh, that that gets our client excited, mm -hmm. when we when we get them excited, mm -hmm. um, that's when it's exciting for us. This next clip is Andrea Raybald, uh, and we talk about how she made the leap from um, corporate world, Starbucks, to running a nonprofit. Um, and that feeling of that leap, I just love this clip because it just it, it embodies what we all as entrepreneurs feel <laughs> as we just, we take the leap. We take the leap from our jobs. We take the leap from what's secure and go out, our, out on our own. Um, and I just, when I re-listened to this, I just felt it again. And um, I think you will too especially if you run a business. Enjoy. These are things that I may not have come to any conclusion around if I hadn't been yes. forced to that level of awareness. So crazy. Um, so it's been a pretty expansive experience. I and a very, it. I'll just add one more, a very uncomfortable experience. <laughs> <laughs> right? We grow in discomfort, right? We do. And it's been about six years of discomfort in like a good way. I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite grateful that you can Google it. Because that's literally, that was my uh, grad school education in nonprofit management. It was, I would just Google it and then I would ask for the advice of like all these people that had run businesses. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so you started, so you did the dual businesses. Yeah. You did the corporate world and marriage image arts. Yeah. When did you go full time? So that was in, I didn't do that until October of 2015. So I actually was the executive director of this whatever it was at the time <laughs> uh, organization and it it was so interesting because mm -hmm. um this is the dual personality that I tell you that I was leading um even though Starbucks was so expansive and so capable of looking at everybody no matter what role you had in the organization mm -hmm. and saying like you're worth you can do anything that you want mm -hmm. there was still there was the role that I was in had a certain track mm -hmm. And I was doing all of this really amazing stuff and learning all this really cool thing and like literally having an experiential grad school experience yeah, that's that awesome. I wasn't being able to bring to the table at Starbucks. Part of it was because of me. And then the other part of it was because people didn't see or hear that that's how I was growing and changing. Mm -hmm. And so at one point, the job, the reason why I was literally dying, it wasn't even just because of the tasks, which mm -hmm. was part of it. Like it was a lot of work to manage executive director role and then also the world, mm -hmm. the, the five states that I was helping mm -hmm. manage but it was becoming significantly more difficult that I was this person and growing into this person and I wasn't able to be this person right. in this world. Kind of they were so places. separate. Um, and I was literally, I was literally having like a mind melt. Mm -hmm. I understand. And then I finally made the decision in 2015 before going. That's awesome. This clip is from my interview with Tammy McVeigh. Um, she was one of my favorite coaches uh, because she takes a very different approach a lot of the time um, with her background. Um, and in this clip, she talks about the foundation of confidence um, that's required to be a business owner and how lack of confidence um, really affects business owners um, or how they run their business and what decisions they make. Um, listen click carefully to this one and see if you recognize yourself because I did in the interview and I did again listening to it again today um I was like oh okay um so recognize yourself and make some changes hit some actions enjoy great so there are lots of coaches and I put them in my in my thing because there's a lot of business coaches or mentor coaches or you know I don't know what you 
you all call each other. But um, each with a different approach. What makes your program different? You know, you talk about the, all the different coaches, mm -hmm. you know, trying to find a way to express myself and like what makes me different mm -hmm. and, and studying all these other people. I remember pretty early on in my journey, uh, a, a girl posted in a, a Facebook group like, oh, I got my confidence coach certification. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, yeah, I was certified in confidence. It's called boot camp. Um, and so I just it's called deadlifts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it really has been that that power. Mm -hmm. I think people I mean, right now, empowerment is such a big trendy mm -hmm. word. But I think that people are afraid to really unleash that side to themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, that that's like it being that encourager and lifting people up and realizing like, I don't have to be afraid of my background. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be afraid of all these things I accomplished. It's not bragging. It's who I am mm -hmm. and I really start to own all that they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I think that that is really what makes a difference because confidence and self-doubt, it shows up in all kinds of ways. And even people that don't think they have a confidence mm -hmm. issue, uh, simple things like procrastination. Mm -hmm. Like if you procrastinate, a lot of times there's this like hidden confidence thing, like worried about what people are going to think mm -hmm. or uh, you're going to fail, mm -hmm. you know. So. Or like feeling like you don't know or you don't, you don't have enough to offer. Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, I'm laughing because we've got goals and stuff up over here. So, um, you know, Steve and I were talking about, you should do a mastermind. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I know, yes. right? And I, and I do have a lot to offer. So he's just like this and this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, great. And so it's just a pause to, like, remember what we do know, mm -hmm. you know, what we are experts at. Yeah. Um, I'm an expert at outside eyes and processes and systems, yeah. you know. I can look at something and be like, okay, let's process this. So, um the confidence, I think, to also, like, to do the work to figure out what you're really good at, too. Mm -hmm. Or to, like, to know what is is a good energy expenditure yeah. for you. And what you're actually really enjoying. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of it, too. I have realized having my own business, I was like, I'm just going to do tax returns. And I'm like, I hate doing tax returns. Like, the actual <laughs> tax returning. Yeah. I want nothing to do with that. But I learned that by actually going and doing other things, like podcasting and mm. all of that. And I was yeah. like, I don't. That sounds horrible. Yeah. It's all a big experiment. <laughs> it is all. It is all. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. And it doesn't matter like what level you're at. Uh -huh. Like if you're at a million dollars and you want to go to three million dollars, like there's that whole confidence. Like, mm -hmm. do I belong in that room of the other three million dollar earners? Mm -hmm. And and so, uh, or even just when you're ready to start your podcast, mm -hmm. like it's just little baby steps, but they're big to that person taking that, that yeah. next step. Gotten a lot better at leaps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, so have I. <laughs> um, when we started part when we started the podcast. Uh, 2018 was the year that I said yes to things that were scary. Mm. Uh, the podcast was terrifying. The Spartan Beast was even more terrifying. And I said <laughs> yes to both of those things. And I was All right. This clip is um, my interview. One of my interviews with Patrick Kelly. I believe he's been on a couple times now. I think these might actually be our longest episodes. <laughs> uh, Patrick and I could probably talk forever and always. Um, in this episode, um, in this clip we chose, um, Patrick's talking about um, why people aren't comfortable at work. They aren't comfortable um, asking for the things they need. Um, and they're not comfortable asking for the changes that they see um, could make the um, the organization better. Um, enjoy it, and um, again, see if you recognize you know some things that you've experienced um, before in other places, and uh, if how would you change it? So uh, enjoy. 
So, so let's talk about your process and helping an organization change its culture. So you guys mm-hmm. have your 360, what's it called? The, your 360 analysis. Analysis. There we mm-hmm. go. So what does that entail and how, you know, what are you guys looking for? Yeah. So yeah, the, the, the first step, and kind of talked about this last time, but a little bit, but the, the biggest avenue for change, and I would say any kind of change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think why change fails in general mm-hmm. is you don't have clear starting point or end goal. Right. Um, it's the Google Maps, right? Like Google mm-hmm. Maps only works if you have a start and end destination. You know where you're going. Yeah, you can't just be like, take, you know, if you don't know, it, you don't know. And I think that um, the reason why change doesn't work is there's not honest conversations up front about what's really happening or mm-hmm. what the reality is. Um, and then there's not a really clear direction of where you want to go. Once you do that, then you can kind of do that. So we always start with an analysis and figure out and, and get input from everybody mm-hmm. of what are people saying? Because it's one thing to talk to the leaders and they can say, oh, yeah, we're great here and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's there's different levels of awareness Mm -hmm. that you dig down and realize um, (laughs) that there's a little bit more there. Um, I would say kind of in that role, like my job's half therapist because Mm -hmm. I talk to a lot of people and it's amazing how quick people will open up and be honest with a third party that they would never tell their boss or their manager or something like that. Yeah. Um, And I think, again, that just shows some of the culture issues that we have is uh, people aren't comfortable being honest at work. And it's not like all the things that they're saying are ultra negative mm-hmm. or bad or that they're mm-hmm. like super like pessimistic about things but they just don't feel comfortable enough to actually share what they think mm-hmm. and so they keep it inside they'll share it with their spouse mm-hmm. um, or friends or a couple close co-workers that they know that they can talk about at lunch or you know during happy hour but they kind of keep it inside and that's kind of the root problem of where all these issues come from and again it's, I wouldn't say it's not necessarily the leader's fault because mm-hmm. they don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. But how do you get that information out? And so that's always our first one is is doing a 360, kind of looking within the organization saying, okay, what are really the gaps? What are people thinking? What are they struggling with? Mm-hmm. And where are we at today? Because once we know that, then we can move forward. And yeah, like 90% of the time, give that information to the to the leaders. And they're like, I never knew this. I didn't realize people were thinking this or mm-hmm. that this was an issue. Or mm-hmm. um, I didn't know they had a problem with that. And mm-hmm. it, it, a lot of them actually, they can just solve pretty quickly. Like, okay, yeah, we can change this. But again, they don't know what they don't know. So we got to at least start with that and then start creating that end vision as well of where we're going. It's interesting because that stuff festers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it builds. And it's uh, the analogy I always give, it's like, um, like when your spouse gets mad at you because like the spoons in the sink, it's not really about the spoon. It's like the eight things that have kind of led up to that. Right. It's just, that's the catalyst where you're like, ah. Um, It's like the straw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody, when they quit, it's not an impulse decision. Mm -hmm. And it's a built up thing that festers. It usually starts with things that if they were addressed in the moment, if they could have an honest conversation with their manager or their boss or whoever Mm -hmm. and address those, would feel much better and go, okay, all right, I feel better. But it's the little things that slowly add up over time. And I think when you're looking at culture change, too many organizations are looking for like the the big thing, like the big hit that we were talking mm-hmm. about this last time, like what like one day offsite do we need to do? And mm-hmm. that'll like realign everything. And that just doesn't work. It would, what culture is an intentionality about doing all the small things mm-hmm. all the time. Right. I think, um, I think people just think that they're going to say, this is our culture now, and then it's going to change. No. <laughs> nope. Nope, doesn't work. Nope. Um, and I think that's true for, you know, when we leave anything, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime we leave, like, a volunteer position or we leave, you know, a networking group, which I, which I just did a couple weeks ago, it's just stuff that accumulate, accumulates into this isn't the right fit for me and it's yep. not worth my time anymore. Yep. Or, you know, the change I'm, 
the change I want to see here is not happening. Yeah. You know, even if you have communicated it or, you know, I'm not one of those people that's quiet about those things generally, if I care enough about the organization, but if they're not going to do anything to change it, I'll probably leave eventually because, you know, it's not working the way it should. Yeah. And I think, you know, the goal for any organization is not zero turnover because zero turnover means nobody gets promoted and nobody's right. moving. You know, mm -hmm. we've talked about this. Nobody's moving or growing. Yeah. Um, but you want to identify the people that you want to keep. And it's a rhetorical question I always ask, you know, leaders or organizations mm -hmm. or whenever I give a talk, like, do you want to create an environment that frustrates your good people or your bad people? Right. And of course, everybody's like, yeah, bad. But it's amazing that we create the structures and systems within an organization that um, actually are built for our low-end employees, like an HR handbooks, right? Right. I know you need them, there's legal things and all that, but nobody reads an HR handbook and is like, oh man, I cannot wait to work here. <laughs> Look at all these ways that I can get fired and all these things I can't do and all the rules I have to follow. <laughs> this is so great, right? Um, and again, I know that there's that need, but mm -hmm. it's because you have this idea that we have to set the bar because we have to make sure that employees follow this thing. Mm -hmm. But anybody that operates above that is gonna get frustrated because they're like, I don't need to be treated like a child. I'm not yeah. gonna do that. I'm a grown person. Yeah. I did a great job of, you know, getting myself here every day. Yep. Yeah. So, so I would say like a culture should be inspiring and, and, um, almost guilt people to be up here mm -hmm. and act up here, mm -hmm. not set the bar down here and set the rules and make it, you know, kind of like a prison style environment where you have so many rules. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.